0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of Locked On Canadians. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are your team every day. So basically, for 99 episodes, we have been talking about the Montreal Canadians and the extremely confusing way they do things. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Act Sick, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Matlus. Scott, how are you doing?
1: I am doing well. I'm a little bit nervous about the night ahead because games against the Capitals are always a little bit nerve-wracking for any number of reasons, and with Alex Ovechkin chasing a major milestone, it concerns me a little more that a team he always shows up to play against um is going to be in front of him with a major milestone uh potentially there for his taking.
0: I think the way to deal with this to be honest is a few years ago I actually went to a game with the Washington Capitals uh in Montreal at the Bell Center and the, Can- the the Canadians were pretty bad that year as well and we decided I cannot I truly for the life of me cannot remember and I probably should have looked this up before we started recording but he hit a milestone at the Bell Center And the Canadians ended up losing the game, but it was still an enjoyable game. And I think that like if you are a Canadians fan for that particular game, you kind of have to turn around and you have to look at it like a neutral hockey fan and try and get excited about the Caps. And even though they have played each other in the playoffs, I don't see the Caps as much as a rivalry, as more of a an exciting game to look forward to. And I don't know if... The rest of the Canadians fans are like us. That, that that's how they feel. But I'm I think that if I'm looking for the Canadians to get points, I'm going to be disappointed. If I'm looking for for a fun game from the Washington Capitals, I think this is something that would be exciting to tune into. I don't know if that makes sense to you.
1: No, it fully does. In that I'm not expecting the Canadians to win, nor do I kind of want them to at this point. It's more that I would like this team to show some pride and some backbone in a game. I don't care if they lose 3-1 or, like, 4-3, as long as they play well for all 60 minutes, and they haven't done that in weeks, I want to say. Like, I'm struggling to think of the last game where the Canadians put together a full game effort and didn't collapse on themselves, and I'm struggling the Capitals typically bring out the best in Montreal and they tend to play well against each other, but after the game against Detroit and the previous week where they just could not help but trip over their own feet, it, this kind of game feels like it could be a, an absolute rout where, you know, the Capitals just run away with the game. Like Montreal might score one or two goals and then it's just going to be all Capitals as the momentum shifts. And my biggest worry about that is this team just beating itself up over everything and struggling for the rest of the year. It's like, we know they're not going to win a ton of games, but some pride would be nice. Look like your team has a soul and a backbone, not, you know, lifeless zombies on the ice every single night.
0: Absolutely. And that's that's not what I'm advocating for when I say I want an exciting game from the Capitals, but I'm going to, you know, you want the Canadians to try and get it together because even though their season is over, and I have to provide a disclaimer to or disclosure to all of our listeners. We are recording this before dinner time on Wednesday, early evening on Wednesday in Montreal. So right now the roster, we haven't had any trades. The last trade that we had for the Montreal Canadiens was Marco Scandella, but we'll get to that. What I'm what I'm about to say is that like tonight's roster, um, yes, tonight. <laughs> By the time you're listening to it, it's Thursday morning. So tonight's Uh, roster seems at the moment it seems to be like the same one so and this seems like what they're going to be going into next year with the exception of uh, a couple of USA's Kovalchuk included and so you don't want this team to just sort of lose lose their ability to play I mean I don't think it's been there but you don't want this team to just give up on trying to improve their their defensive play uh for the rest of the season for the remainder of the season I think in this at this point because they are not bad enough to win the lottery what they need to do is they need to try and improve upon what is ailing them anyway so but I do want to see an exciting game from Ovechkin and I do want to see something that at least you know we'll be able to say that was a good game that we watched and you know not 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 a snooze fest from the Canadians yeah I think uh I, I don't know I think that's fair don't you?
1: Just give me a little bit of hope that things aren't this crappy all the time. Like, we know in our hearts that this team isn't always this bad, but they're doing their best to make sure that we actually start to believe they are. It's it's almost miraculous watching this team sometimes play so well and then just flip a switch and they turn it off. Show improvements on things. It's like... Like you said, work on the things that need to be fixed going forward, whether it be the power play or some of the defensive issues, or even swap around the pairings to find something that works. Now is the time for the Canadians to get experimental, more or less. If you lose, you have a better chance of drafting a generational talent from your own backyard. And if you win, cool, now you know what works for next year. You're in a no-lose situation with this unless you do... Nothing and you stay the course, which has gotten you into this mess in the first place. So, um, there's a lot that can be done. It's just whether or not the team can bring itself around to actually doing that right now.
0: Agreed. And speaking of bringing themselves to do things right now, we have an email that w- was meant for our mailbag but I think we want we need a little bit more time to discuss it so we're going to take a full segment next. I just want to remind everyone before we go to our next segment that tomorrow is our big 100th episode and it since it's a Friday episode it's going to be a mailbag one. We've already got some list some questions. And we're very excited about them, and we want it to be a super-sized, extra-special episode. So please send us your questions. You can send them to us uh, at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com, which is where we got today's question. And you can also send them to us on Twitter by hitting us up at LO underscore Canadians. You can find Scott at Scott Matla. You can find me at The Active Stick, and we're going to be recording The mailbag episode after the canadians game against the caps so up until that point please send us any questions that you might have about the haves about hockey about whatever's going on uh in the trades i guess on the trade market by that time about our lives about your lives about advice about food about anything we like to hear from you and we like to answer your questions and often we get A pretty good mix of hockey and pop culture slash food opinion questions. And we're so excited to answer them. So don't forget to send us questions for our 100th mailbag. And we're going to come back with one of the questions that we thought was too lengthy to deal with tomorrow in just one moment. So as we mentioned, we've been soliciting mailbag questions for our 100th episode, and we received an email from a listener that we wanted to take a little bit of time to discuss because we thought it was going to take quite a bit of time to get through. I think it's a very important and legitimate question to discuss, and we didn't want to sort of skimp on it uh, in our mailbag episode. So Scott, if you would be so kind as to read the question or the email, I guess, like what, what our listeners' thoughts are.
1: So the question comes and says, so I'm curious to hear other people's opinions on this since a lot of Habs fans are frustrated, understatement, with being stuck in mediocrity, and I feel like this is a big reason why. Why hasn't Mark Bergevin shaken up his scouting staff? A lot of people are frustrated with him, myself included, but we have to give him credit on certain things like his ability, like his trading ability. One, I personally think he lost with the Drew trade, but besides that, he has a really good record, which... Up for debate, but I do mostly agree with that. And the email goes on to say, I'm not sure if it's Trevor Timmons that has the final say, or Mark himself, or someone else in the scouting department. But we can't draft. Obviously, it's early to say anyone from the 2018 and 2019 draft is a bust, and they're all still very young and have plenty of time to develop. But really, we can't draft. This is a problem, and if it's fixed with and with how good he does with trades for the most part, we could potentially have one or two of those key pieces we are missing going forward if we had properly scouted in the past. Is Mark Bergevin actually a good GM who hits gold on one or two of his picks? Is he a bad GM because he seems not to fire replace his staff when he probably should? I think the potential is there to be one of the best GMs in the league, but my main point to all of this is that he's afraid to let people go. And... I want to chime in on one thing on this, is that I believe it. they have a group of scouts that make the final decision. Trevor Timmons is at the head of their. Shane Churla, I believe, is the head of amateur scouting. And I assume Mark Bergevin also has his final input in this as well. And if things are to be believed, Mark Bergevin, I believe, if we go way back to the beginning of his tenure, originally wanted Morgan Riley and the group settled on Alex Galchenyuk, and there's so many factors, I feel like, that go into this question. I agree that he does hold on to people too long, see Michel Therrien and or the AHL system, which with all the picks they've had, how much of that is development being stunted up until now when they're getting a new coach and system put in place? I feel like there is a lot. I don't think it's all on Trevor Timmons. I do think, though, that maybe they need to readdress what their focus is and just draft whomever the best player is available and not draft for need.
0: I think this is certainly an interesting and legitimate question to ask. The only thing that gives me pause is often times this like the Montreal scouting staff and this was even before Bergevin even came in has often been and and I'm saying this with a little bit of bias because one of the things that I look out for, especially like when I go to drafts, for example, uh, I think the first one that I went to was in Pittsburgh and then, you know, been to a couple, uh, Philadelphia, Chicago. The general consensus after the draft usually is like when we're hanging out amongst media fans, hockey nerds, as I would like to call them. The general consensus is usually that Montreal drafts really well. They draft players that have fallen a little bit unexpectedly or they found hidden gems. They found, you know, they, they trade, uh, picks that are, their upside is higher than the position that they end up getting drafted in. And that's something that I've heard at multiple drafts. And I don't, I, I don't know if that is also caused by a recency bias. It's that, you know, it's because people said that about them a couple of years ago. Maybe people are like looking for that. It's like cognitive bias and it's, it's reconfirming your own uh, your own opinions. And I think that's, that's certainly a valid factor. And I also think one of the biggest things was the PK Subban trade, uh, sorry, the PK Subban pick and the, the Kerry Price pick too, is that, like, the, these players were sort of like, the picks were, were, uh, not exactly lauded at the time. And I, am specifically in the Kerry Price case, people were like, what, what were they even doing? And then the players themselves turned out to be star quality in Price Price's place, superstar quality so I think that that has like there's a lot of bias that comes with that opinion based on you know recent events and and a general consensus and the zeitgeist and stuff like that I do think that there is a huge psychological factor so we get told that you know the Canadians are good at drafting so then when these players that they are drafting are not making the NHL or not ending up on the Canadians or uh, you know are underperforming relative to their upside and potential I think that a big question that we need to ask is development we have asked it on this show we've talked quite a bit about uh Montreal Canadians the development prior to Joel Bouchard arriving prior to them even bringing Laval uh well the rocket to Laval um, and things like that like we've definitely talked a lot about that but the one thing that we haven't really talked about in Montreal and we haven't really asked ourselves is the Trevor Timmons, it feels like Trevor Timmons is kind of like an untouchable person when it comes to criticism and critique and the scouting staff themselves. And I think it, it, like the answer to this question is based on your philosophy, whether you, you think more drafting is more important or development is more important. And the problem with, with, with scouting and drafting players that are so young is that it's hardly ever, it hardly ever pans out what the way that you expect it to. Right. You, you can find players in very late rounds that end up becoming like key core pieces of your team later on, five years later, uh, you know, less than that. And then you can draft people really, really high up that don't end up performing relative to expectations. And you specifically mentioned the Galchenyuk pick like that was like that was absolutely not what I how I thought it was going to go when I was in Pittsburgh and when that name was called. And, and I, I believe that was Mark Bergeron's first draft ever. Uh, and so I think, I think the question is, is, like an extremely legitimate question to ask. And unfortunately, the problem is, is that right now the question, we won't be able to answer the question because they've changed so much in their lower levels in the, you know, in the, in, in, in the HL and so on. So we're not going to be able to answer that question for like another couple of years. And, uh, I think a big thing is that like if I'm, a GM, and it's not that I disagree with, with Dave, our listener. I, it's, if I'm the GM, I'm, i I want to give the development team a chance before I look at the scouting team. Because the other thing is that Montreal consistently for the last few years has ranked really high when people do prospect depth analysis. And why is that the general consensus? Again, like why are all these people whose job or whose expertise are in that area consistently rank the Canadians so high and give them good points and then these players don't end up panning out like to me that that looks like a major hole in development and I think if I'm not mistaken it was two or three years ago where Trevor Timmons was the director of player development as well and then they moved that from his portfolio so I don't know if specifically like you know I, I think the scouting staff absolutely needs to be evaluated on a regular basis especially since player metrics evolve like player analysis evolves but at the moment i think that if i'm the gm like i give the development team an upgraded development team a chance to work its magic i don't know how you feel about that since you're more familiar with with the with the minor leagues
1: i think that A lot of it has, you need the three-tier development system for prospects who aren't quite ready for the AHL. We look at what the Leafs have done with their ECHL club and how people graduate up and continue to go and build. Montreal hasn't had that pretty much ever, and the AHL guys are fighting for space. We need to find your balance between veterans who know the league and young players, and at the same time... Understand that not every draft pick is going to be a hit. Drafting is a crapshoot to begin with, in that if you hit on two people in an entire draft, you did incredibly, quite frankly. It's rare that you do more than that. Their best work seems to come in the later rounds, and that's where Timmons seems to shine, going for, you know, picks like Brendan Gallagher, someone like Charles Udon, Jake Evans was a seventh-round pick, Caden Primo was a seventh-round pick, moving up and down draft boards. And... I think the biggest thing is, and we can see it in a pick, someone like Trevor Timmons goes for someone who's like Yoni Ikanen or a Arturi Lekanen who falls down the boards for various reasons. Whereas it seems like some of the more old school mentalities get to pieces like a Michael McCarran or a Ryan Palin where it seems like they're more of a safe player. The biggest thing is. They need to improve their development at the lower levels before they come up, and fans need to kind of reassess where things are. Just because someone was drafted in the first round does not mean they're immediately going to save your franchise, and it doesn't mean they're going to be immediately available, unless you're drafting in the top three consistently, which Montreal is not. If And this goes back to should the team rebuild, should the team not rebuild. The Canadians need to figure out what they're doing. So it's like if we knew the Canadians were going to miss the playoffs last year and be mediocre this year – Should Karkaniemi have gone back to Finland for another year then and then maybe come over to play in the AHL this year or something similar instead of giving him two NHL years? It's There's so many variables to it, and the least we can do now is we got to kind of see where this draft goes and how the front office goes. I trust Trevor Timmons to make his picks, and so do a lot of people in the scouting community that I've talked to, but it's what the other input's coming in from other scouts. Is there someone who scouts you know the whl that might need to be replaced is the scout in russia reliable on what he did and seeing as alexander romanov seems pretty great i'm inclined to believe them on that there's so many people that feed into this that it's almost impossible to pinpoint one thing without firing the entire scouting staff which puts you at stage zero for everything
0: Something I remembered from the Pittsburgh draft actually uh, the Friday night. So it was the first night, literally the first night of the draft. So they, only one round had happened and the rest of the draft was going to happen the next morning. And I was at a hotel bar with a friend, um and the Columbus Blue Jackets scouts, uh, came out after the draft to like, I guess they came to the hotel bar and stuff. And I was looking around. I didn't recognize them. My friend knew who they were and said, oh, these, these are the, the guys from the Blue Jackets team. And then the next day I found out they'd all been fired en masse, like right after the drafts. And so I think one of those things is that like um, you could have somebody, you know, you could have these people in place for years for a lengthy amount of time and be listening to them all that time. And then you look at what you did, or maybe you got criticized in the media or something. And then all of a sudden you just like clean house. I don't think the Canadians necessarily need to clean house. I think what they need to do is they need to examine their decision making. And they need like you said, you were talking about the best player available. And I think right now for the Canadians, their their prospect depth is such that in this draft, they can afford to really just take the best player available and not have to worry about refilling the goalie cupboard. They don't need to refill whatever, the defense or or anything like that. Because we know that whoever's gonna replace the defenseman on this team or whoever's gonna replace people up front that's not coming for another couple of years, but it might already be in the pipeline. So, you know, what they really need to do, and they've at this moment got 12 picks, if I'm not mistaken, because the conditional that they got from St. Louis is for next year, correct?
1: Uh, Yeah, the conditional fourth is for next year. The second is for this year.
0: There you go. So now they've got 12 picks. And with those 12 picks, they just need to take whoever the best player is available. And they might have too many forwards or they might have too many whatever you just have to take the consensus best player, depending on what your scouts think, because trying to refill for a position where, you know, some players develop quicker than others. You, uh, the general consensus is that defensemen are held back, or Hannah Stewart thinks that they're art- artificially held back, but for the most part, people think that they take longer to, to develop. People also think that goalies take a bit longer to develop. People think that forwards are more ready to come up to the, to the NHL quicker. When you're looking at that, like the drafting decisions that you're making this year are not going to affect your team for so many years that you, that you need to take can't miss players. And for me, in my mind, the can't miss player has to be the best player available.
1: Yeah. That's my drafting strategy is if you're not picking a surefire, like elite person at your pick, you take the best person available. I don't care if you need a centerman. If there's a 50-goal-scoring winger there, you take the 50-goal-scoring winner. You need a left defense, but there's, you know, an elite center available, you take the elite center. You pick whoever's the best player there. That should be as simple as drafting is. And then as you maybe get into other rounds, like Mark Bergevin has enough picks in this draft that he can swing for the fences on a bunch of picks. Do it. Honestly, what's – and if they don't turn out, well, guess what? You just don't sign them. It's as simple as that, honestly.
0: Agreed. And so speaking of the best player available, we are actually going to turn our attention to the best uh, staff member available. And in our final segment, you're going to have to continue listening to hear what our not so radical, but kind of out there idea is for fixing this team in the nearer future. And that's coming up right up next. So, as we promised, we have a not-so-radical-but-kind-of-out-there idea for fixing the Montreal Canadiens' defense. And that is that is something that Scott mentioned to me after we had finished, we had wrapped up our game recap for the Detroit Red Wings game. And I think it's a really cool idea, and I don't want to take credit for it. So, we decided that we have a way to fix the Montreal Canadiens' defense. We just don't know if any of the involved parties would ever go for it. Scott, tell us your idea.
1: So, as many people know, Guy Boucher was the AHL coach for a long time, and then Montreal, kind of blocking him with whomever was the coach at the time, allowed him to head off to Tampa Bay, where he put in a very good, or at least prominent system until he was fired, then he was out of the game for a little bit, and then he was in Ottawa, I believe, if there wasn't something in between there, and then eventually, because the Senators are run by a maniacal madman, he was eventually fired from there. And now I believe he's either working for TVA or RDS as an analyst between periods of games. And my I thought is the Canadians should consider hiring Guy Boucher in a consult consultation role of some sort, because he's another coach who's been through multiple levels, he's been in the Q, he's been in the AHL, he's been in the NHL, he's seen it all. He's dealt with star players on the Lightning before. He's dealt with star players in the Senators before, the few that they had. And there's one thing that he was very good at when he had the pieces in place, and that was making a stifling defensive system when he was available and getting the offense clicking in a good way. I wouldn't be opposed to the Canadians in the offseason offering him just a consultation role or some sort of, what do they call it, not assistant on the bench, um, executive coach or whatever the hell they called Kirk Muller. Give him that ability and see what he can do. Maybe he's not ideal as a head coach, but as someone on the bench who has that much experience, I think Guy Boucher could be a very valuable piece for the Canadians to help fix some of their flaws going forward, they're struggling to generate offense or to kill penalties or play defense some nights. What's the worst that could happen by seeing what he has for input as a coach? So,
0: I'm all for that. It is a little bit the reason it's a bit outside the box is because this guy has so much head coaching experience that. But the problem is, you know, sometimes like players, uh, sorry, coaches who are so great at the AHL level, it doesn't often translate to the NHL level, and we've talked about this when we we're ta- when we were talking about. Joel Bouchard's readiness and I don't know if he would be willing to come back and be in the Montreal Canadiens organization and it's entirely possible that he wouldn't want the title assistant coach but he might want to come on as a consulting role so he'd kind of be at the same level as the coaching staff but he wouldn't be an assistant to anybody and I don't know if that's an option I don't know if it's something the Canadians would even want to think about I don't know if they offered to him if he would want to get involved but the one thing I remember about Guy Boucher is that PK Sulan talked about him because he had experience with playing under him in the AHL. And the thing that he said was he teaches you to be relentless. And that's something that I think the team, especially on the defensive end needs because they keep falling apart. They keep scrambling. We talked so many times on this podcast about how they seem to have forgotten how to play hockey, how to play defense. You think under Yee Boucher, if that's gonna happen, I don't think so. And I honestly, I, it's just, it's not like, a, like I said, it's not crazy radical, but it is a little bit out there. I think it's, it's worth considering as well. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know what you guys think and, and I invite you guys to, to hit us up with your opinions. But do we not think that like a new voice, a new face, um and somebody who has experience in stifling other teams offense would be helpful on this team. We talk about how many shots they give up, we talk about how many quality shots they give up, we look at all the heat maps and where opponents are, are uh are shooting and scoring from. Uh, I think it's 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 a question that's extremely worth asking, and I think it's possible. And and and, and so on a team right now where we have uh, defensemen that are mostly offensive defensemen, and that is never a bad thing. That is really what you want to have. Maybe they can afford to tighten up the defensive part of like the, the sort of the defensive aspect of their game. And not maybe they can afford. They can absolutely afford to do what they need to do. It that is not a question. I you know what. I, I, w- I would do it.
1: <laughs> I, I would try at, for it. I look at this, too, is that outside of all the actual benefits to it, the Canadians at three levels could have like the, the most verbally expressive benches between Claude Julien, who one of my favorite things since he's been hired is making Claude Julien reaction gifts because he is not shy about what he's thinking. Uh, Guy Boucher, who is a madman when he gets fired up, and then in the AHL, you have Joel Bouchard, who is not afraid to speak his mind either and is very expressive. Uh, that's just, you know, my selfish benefit to everything here, but there's no downside to at least trying it. You bring him in in a consultation role. If you like what he's doing, maybe you expand his role or you offer him a gig coaching. For all we know, they could fire Claude Julien, and everyone's wondering, is it Bruce Boudreaux is going to coach? Is it Mike Babcock? Is it going to be Gerard Gallant again? It could be Guy Boucher, for all we know, because the Canadians don't say anything ever about anyone. So we this could all be for naught, and Guy Boucher, by the end of the year, could be the new head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, you know, a decade after the fact that he should have been. <laughs> but it's there's no downside to at least trying something new. It's like we said in the first segment, if this season's gonna be a wash, try something new. There's no harm in it.
0: The new thing that they're trying should be winning games.
1: Yeah, that's a a bold strategy. I don't know if they can pull that one off right now though.
0: (laughs) But that is all for today and once again we apologize if we missed any trades between the time that we recorded this and the time it drops on the Thursday morning. We will be with you again tomorrow for our 100th episode and like we said at the top of the show please send us your mailbag questions for tomorrow's show. We want to supersize it, we want to go all out, send us crazy stuff. If it's insulting or abusive or inappropriate we will not answer it but other than that there are no limits to what you can ask us. Please do it. You can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can directly ask Scott at Scott Matlow on Twitter. You can ask me at the active stick on Twitter. Please send us questions. I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to this podcast and every other locked on podcast. We've got so many great podcasts in all sports, not just the NHL. Uh, And you can find all of us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On and the team name and you'll be able to find us. Please subscribe. Please hit us up and please tune in tomorrow for our 100th episode. Thank you so much for listening.